I'm John Carter in Moscow, in Havana, Cuba. Now in Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. I'm John Carter in Petra, right here in communist China, reporting from India. Hi, I'm John Carter in the Solomon Islands. I'm John Carter in Soweto, from El Salvador. I'm John Carter in Sydney, Australia. Today, an in-depth study of Constantine and the Mark of the Beast. Welcome back. We're talking about when Constantine rides again. Constantine and the Mark of the Beast. In the last program, we talked about the great falling away that happened in the Christian church when Constantine became the emperor and set up a theocracy. And what we're saying today is that what happened back in the 3rd and the 4th and the 5th centuries is going to be repeated on a worldwide scale starting right here in the United States of America. So we're talking about the coming of a new Constantine. When firmly established, the Roman Church, instead of the old pagan Rome, became the persecutor of heretics and in Europe you had a theocracy that lasted for more than a thousand years it's going to happen again I want you to take your Bibles and come over here to Revelation 17 and verses 1 down to 3 dear hearts and gentle people Revelation 17 and verses 1 down to 3 and notice it please in the Bible then one of the seven angels, I had the seven bowls, came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. Listen to me. In Bible prophecy, a woman is a symbol of the church. A good woman is the good church, and a bad woman or the harlot is the symbol of the bad church or the antichrist church. And verse 2 says, With whom the kings of the earth committed fornication. They got married to this church. And the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of a fornication, an unholy alliance. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. All commentators know, whether they're Roman Catholic or Jewish or Protestant, they all know that in Bible prophecy, a woman represents the church. And this harlot woman here represents the great Antichrist church. And if you notice now Revelation 17 and verses 4 and 5, the woman was arrayed with purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. She is filthy rich, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And verse 6 says, look at this, I saw the woman, the church, drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. Here is a church. Hey, are you listening? What's going on today in America? Does anybody read these prophecies anymore? Or are they 
have they become so politically correct that they're not interested in the truth? Now here you've got a woman, that's the church, and she's riding the beast, and the beast uh, is the state. That happened in the dark ages. And when the church was riding the state, millions of people were tortured and they were put to death. That's the great antichrist of Bible prophecy and it started in the days of Constantine. Now please, would you notice uh, 17, chapter 17 and verse 18 because it tells you where you can find this corrupt system. And the woman or the church whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Now listen, my friend. You don't have to be a minister. You don't need to be a theologian. You don't need to be a politician. You just need to know a little bit about history. History tells me that the great city that reigned over the kings of the earth in the days of the New Testament was the great city of Rome. And so here is a church that is joined to the state and the Bible says her headquarters are in Rome. Now, I come back to the question we asked in the first segment. Whatever happened to the words of Jesus, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus said, my ministers are not going to get involved in politics. My church is not going to employ lobbyists in Washington. My church is going to have one great calling and one great mission. You know what it is? It is to preach the gospel of Jesus. My kingdom is not of this world, but these people got so far from God, it was their mission to bring the kingdom of God into this world uh, through legislation and through force. All this was the product of a Christian theocracy, the woman riding on the beast. I want you to look at the screen. These are not very nice pictures, but these, these pictures illustrate what was done when the church joined with the state and persecuted people who had different points of view. Hundreds of thousands, even millions, were tortured and they were put to death by a Christian theocracy. And people in America say to me, Oh, Jesus, bring back a Christian theocracy. Edmund Burke, a British philosopher who lived 1729, 1797, said, Those who don't know history are destined to repeat it. Can I tell you one of the greatest tragedies in America? Many Americans have forgotten what made America, America. Because people came to this country because they were sick of a Christian system of government. Sick of this Christian theocracy. This lasted in Europe for more than a thousand years. 
Millions of people, Catholics, Protestants, Jews and Muslims, tortured, torn apart by Christian leaders, all in the name of Jesus, to bring in the kingdom of God. Finally, across Europe that had experienced a time of great moral and intellectual darkness for more than a thousand years, the gospel sun arose with light, healing, and prosperity. After the night always comes the morning. Martin Luther came preaching. People say, oh, no, he must have been a fanatic. No, 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 he was a hero. John Knox came preaching. The light of the Protestant Reformation revolution burst upon the world. And darkness fled before the rising sun. Now, finally, from England and Europe, brave men and women set sail for America, where the air was free and men and women did not wear chains. What I find as a great source of consternation, it, it appears to this pilgrim that so many Americans have forgotten what made America, America. The pilgrim's fathers, I don't know who they. They were people who came to America to establish a church without a pope and a state without a king. You see? Lots of Americans don't know this. Forgotten it. They came to America to escape the despotism and the persecution of a religious theocracy. And now many of their children are in Washington lobbying to set up a Christian theocracy. They will not set up a Christian theocracy. They will set up Antichrist. No. Yes. Please be informed. Today many have forgotten what made America great and they want to take us back to the theocracy of the dark ages. Let me remind you of some of the silly laws that came from a theocratic type of government. That is, when the state is enforcing religious laws. John Kelvin, one of the great Protestant scholars and a, a remarkable man, he gave to the world the doctrine of predestination that some of us don't like. Activities forbidden in Geneva. Feasting, dancing, singing, pictures, statues, relics, church bells, organs, altar candles, indecent or religious songs, staging or attending theatrical plays, wearing rouge, that's the red stuff ladies put on their cheeks or used to, jewellery, lace or immodest dress, speaking disrespectfully of your betters. Extravagant entertainment, swearing, gambling, playing cards, hunting, drunkenness, naming children after anyone but figures in the Old Testament. Reading immoral or irreligious books. I believe that some of these things are wrong. That it is not the church's job to enforce her laws. It took a long time even for the Protestant reformers to get away from a theocracy. A father who christened his son Claude 
was jailed for four days. <laughs> In the days of John Gell, called his boy Claude, lock him up, four days. When religious people use the state to enforce religious laws, the result is persecution, not Christ, but Antichrist. You see, my friend, God has given us freedom of choice. God says, serve me because you love me, not because you're forced to serve me. Legislation cannot change the heart. That is why I am appalled by ministers and vast religious groups that try to use the power of the state to enforce the teachings of their church. That is un-American, un-Christian, and evil. Christian lobbyists. One day I was cleaning my car on a Sunday. A person came by and said, we're seeking, we're going around everybody, we're seeking uh, to get votes for our pastor who's going to run for Congress. I said, what's wrong with him? <laughs> oh, he wants to get to Congress. We want to make this a Christian nation. Well, they talked to the wrong person. That is a delusion. That is a snare. Jesus said you've got to be born again. Legislation can change the outward action, but it cannot change the heart. Only the gospel of Christ can change the heart, and society needs a new heart. Ministers ought to stop their politicking and start preaching the gospel of Christ. How amazing. You turn on television and there you've got all these ministers and they're talking politics, politics, politics. That's because they've lost their souls to the devil. Oh, that's too strong. No, I can say it's stronger. Listen to me. A minister is called uh, to preach Christ and the gospel. The gospel saves, not Washington, D.C., What's wrong with people? If you don't remember the past, you're going to commit its errors. Here's another one. This is from the Code of Connecticut. Can you believe it? No one shall run on the Sabbath. This is the state law. Or walk in his garden or elsewhere except reverently to and from meeting. No one shall travel, cook victuals, make beds, sweep house, cut hair or shave on the Sabbath. If any man shall kiss his wife or wife or husband on the Lord's Day, Sunday, the party in fault shall be punished at the discretion of the court of magistrates. That's Constantine. That was in Connecticut. You laugh about this? Well, it's going to happen again. And it just won't be kissing your wife. The genius of America. The genius of America is seen in a constitution. Some people say we hate the constitution, we've got to get rid of it. They're dangerous words. The First Amendment said, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. Congress has got no right to set up a church. Some of you look at me as though you don't believe it. Where were you born, I ask you? Surely not here in America. You must have been born in some oppressive place where church and state work together. 
of prohibiting the free exercise thereof. I can practice my faith in America at present and preach what I want to preach. You see? Or bridging the freedom of speech or of the press. If you get rid of freedom of expression or the freedom of the press, you go down the road of the communists and the Nazis. You may not like the press. I may not like the press, but a world, a country without the press is a very, very sad, desolate, dark and awful place. Or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Thomas Jefferson. You know, I, I, I meet people all the time who say, we'd like to get rid of this First Amendment because we want to have a, a Christian nation. We want to enforce religious laws. We want to change society. Thomas Jefferson said this in a letter to Dansbury Baptist. Believing with you that religion is a matter which lies solely between man and his God. My religion is between me and my God. That he owes account to none other for his faith or worship. That the legitimate powers of government reach actions only. They reach actions only and not opinions. I contemplate with sovereign reverence the act of the whole American people which declared that their legislature should make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, thus building a wall of separation between church and state. I've turned on television. I've had famous religious preachers say, we are opposed to the separation of church and state. They're getting to ride with Constantine. In fact, they may be the new Constantine. I say these words uh, kindly. A people who are ignorant of history are condemned uh, to repeat the errors of history. And that statement on the separation of church and state does not mean that the state should be antagonistic to religion as it is often in California. But it means that there is no place for a theocracy in America. Now, I look into the future when Constantine rides again. When we went to Texas, part of the Bible Belt, that was 30 years ago. We had some wonderful experiences and met wonderful people. I love Texas, the old-fashioned courtesy. I miss Texas. The respect, the decency. Some of my best friends are Texans. We lived in Arlington between Dallas and Fort Worth. I remember talking to a beautiful Christian lady one Sunday afternoon, and she said to me, won't it be wonderful when Jesus is president of America? And America is a Christian country. Not just Texas. 
in Thousand Oaks, where we live. After one election some time back, a lady drove up and down the street with a big sign saying, Hallelujah, Jesus won. Jesus won? Jesus has got a political party? Yes, he's got a... Has he? You're getting into bed with Constantine. Today, that's the voice of millions of conservative Christians in America. And many of us are filled with prejudice and we don't want to know the truth. I stand for the Bible and old-fashioned American values. Thank you very much. Now look at Revelation 13, 11, 13 and 14. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. It two horns like a lamb, that's the gospel. Spoke like a dragon, that's what he's going to do. He performs great signs so that he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men and deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs that he was given power to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast which was wounded by the sword and lived. You have two beasts here. One is the beast of the dark ages, the church and state, the theocracy, the image of the beast is the copy of the church and state. And the Bible says that in the last days, a power will arise that starts out very, very good to protect the gospel. But it gives its authority to the first beast, the church of the dark ages, and it sets up an organization that is a union of church and state. This is fundamental American truth that will save our souls, but more important than American truth, it is Bible truth. The image of the beast is the copy, the union of church and state. Intolerant Christians who want to enforce their religious laws upon others. Look at Revelation 13, 15 to 17. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, church and state, that the image of the beast, church and state, should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark of the beast or the name of the beast or the number of his name. I know these things are not preached much today. I wonder why. The Bible says the beast is the union of church and state. That was the church that Constantine started. Then the image of the beast is a copy of the church and the state enforcing religious laws as happened in the early days of America, Connecticut, other places. And in the dark ages, when Pontifex Maximus was the ruler. Religious laws that tell you how to worship and when to worship. And this movement will be led by people all in the name of Jesus. The laws of the church instead of the laws of God. And there will be forced conformity. Either you do it or else we won't buy from you, we won't sell to you, we will boycott you, we will put you to death. It's the voice of the dragon. 
and there will also be another type of conformity. It'll be willing conformity where heaps and heaps of people who think they are Christians get up in a big queue, get in a big line, and they'll say, me too. Don't miss me out. I want it so much. Give it to me. I want the mark of beast. Listen to me. The stage work is being set as I speak. Let me tell you the great need. The great need for Christians, non-Christians, everybody is courage to stand alone against the majority for the sake of conscience. Remember, remember Martin Luther. Here I stand, I can do none other. Remember Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a Lutheran pastor in Germany. Do you know how many went with the Nazis? Almost all. Not this man. In the end, they strung him up with piano wire. But probably 99% of the Christians said, me too. If you conform now, you're going to conform then. So I say to you, God will at the end, he will have his remnant, his Daniels, his Elijahs, his Pauls, his Noahs. God will have his heroes. Let me tell you something. Listen, if you're not God's hero now, you won't be God's hero then. But you and I should say with Luther, here I stand. I can do none other. God help me. Amen. Hello, friend. I'm John Carter. Behind me is the great city of Manila, the capital of the Philippines. Did you know this is quite amazing? There are more people living in this area than in New York City, and Christ died for these people. We came here, oh, a long time ago, back in 1984. What's that, 34, 35 years ago? And we came here with a team of young people, and we came to the PICC. It is our intent to come here, hire the biggest hall that's available, the greatest outdoor stadium, whatever it takes. You've got more than 20 million souls out here. And I say it again, these are people for whom Christ died. I'm asking you to pray for the people of the Philippines. Please pray for the people here in Metro Manila. And please write to me, John Carter, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California 91358. In Australia, write to me at Terrigal at the address that is now showing on the screen. We're back in Manila, and we're back with a message from God. That message is, Christ died for you, and Christ 
is coming again soon. Please support us. Write to me today, Post Office Box 1900,000 Oaks, California, and also write to me at Terrigal in Australia. Thank you for your support, and God bless you. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.